there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Ampersand and Sons. It's a podcast between myself, Neil Bailey, and Julian Finn, my friend. Hello, Julian. Hello, Neil. How are you? I am all right. We are old hands at uh, critiquing Superman and Superman-related media. I am a uh, former reviewer of Smallville, uh, as is my friend Julian. Uh, I left because there were elements of the plot that uh, were driving me crazy, and Julian uh, took up after me and and, uh, did a, a fantastic job. Uh, yeah, we, uh, we are here today to talk about Superman and Lois. Yeah, and, I mean, eventually some other stuff, because we will run out of Superman and Lois episodes to discuss at some point, and, uh, as everyone on the internet should be made aware, you are not familiar with the context in which Superman and Lois lands, because you haven't watched the other Arrowverse stuff, so this might be a fantastic opportunity to do some catch-up, and... That, that is absolutely so. I am, I am grossly ignorant. I've seen several episodes of Supergirl, I've seen The Crisis, I've seen about a season of Arrow and a little bit of Flash... I am the ignorant guy, and you are the guy who knows this universe well, and it's going to create for, uh, it's going to make for some good commentary where I know some things, and you know some things, but you know a lot more continuity things, and uh, we bounce off each other. Yeah, no, fair. I'm, uh, I'm excited for that. I'm excited to be doing, uh, I mean, in the past, I, I've loved doing written criticism, but I'm excited to do it in this format. Um, one, because I've come to the conclusion that there isn't a whole lot of interest in reading 10 years post the end of Smallville anymore. Uh, but more <laughs> importantly, it's it's nice to have that sort of free form discussion. Like there's, there's an art uh, polishing uh, uh, a good review and making sure that you, you got the spelling of the writer who you are, or the name of the writer who you are going to spend a thousand words of viscerating uh, for, for the entire fan base to see. And, and just kind of uh, enjoy the free flow of discussion rather than just uh, doing the constructed, here is my opinion, thud. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, the internet. And, and as you said, people don't read as much. There's less critical analysis. Reviews have kind of gone in the realm of, well, here is the worst thing ever or the greatest thing ever. And it gets wilder and wilder. Plus, the nice thing about the podcast format is, you know, when you review, you review in a vacuum. It's your opinion. It's, you know, your spouse who you irritate when you go, am I the crazy person here while you're like screaming about why Lana Lang did something horrible again? Wait, different, different Superman show. Um <laughs> Um, whereas with this, your, your, your mind can be changed. You can be open to something that you might've missed the first viewing that somebody else caught, right? So there's, there's that, the joy of the back and forth of discourse rather than just, here's my proclamation from the mountaintop. Yes. And the proclamation from the mountaintop also is, is, is part of the thing that I, that I seek to combat, at least in what I do. And I think that you and I have similar ethics. I, I try do. to I try not to review, I try to analyze. And it's because I got my five years of college um, and, and, and I got nothing to do with it because, you know, a, a, an English major's degree is nothing, not even worth toilet paper. Uh, I've been writing, <laughs> writing novels for 23 years now in comics and not making much headway. But uh, It should be pointed out for any of my, any Canadian listeners that we have that when Neil says five years of college, what he means is five years of American college, which is not the same thing. <laughs> yeah, it's also, it, I, I should, it, it's, it, it's the 540 plan. Five years of college for a four-year degree and then 40 years of debt. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's equivalent up here too. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's one of the things that uh, makes the premise of uh, Superman and Lois come to pass. You know, the idea of, <laughs> uh, of corporate goons coming in and be like, hey, you want a reverse mortgage? Uh, it'd be a shame if something happened to that nice house. Or, uh, you know, the, the idea yeah. of, of, of towns left behind in rural areas. Not to get into spoilery talk, but I can't believe in discussing a show about Superman that we may actually have to explain what a reverse mortgage is to the audience. Oh, is that not as common in Canada? No, no, it's it's a common thing, but like it's not a common thing to see in genre TV. Oh yeah, yeah, no, they don't discuss that because everybody in genre TV, if you recall Smallville, like I like I said in the video, like uh, everyone in Smallville wore fashion designer clothes. They all owned their own apartments. Or they all owned their brand new cars. They all lived in top trendy apartments, even when they didn't have parents. You know, a lot, yeah. lot, of, lot of Lang buys a business, and and uh, you know, it's that's not exactly what America's. Like, yeah, like hearing hearing characters discussing at length for like several minutes the mechanics of a financial instrument that people actually use was as off-putting as if someone in a TV show actually got up mid-conversation to go and pee. Like it was weird. Yeah, it 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 uh it made it so that it was actually about the American way a little bit. You had your truth and justice in there and your but but uh, we'll get into the specifics when we go yeah, into yeah, the spoiler yeah. section. But uh let's uh talk a little bit about our, about our past history. So I, I, I said a little bit about what I did. We were both reviewers, but what else do we do? Yeah, so I mean we both did the review thing. We both we I mean once upon a time you blogged. I, I remember coming across <laughs> your your rants about certain news organizations in the mid two thousands. Um and and I've got a whole stack of your books up on my bookshelf and I once upon a time uh, had an extremely ranty blog that actually, true fact, generated enough of a response on one post to a bill that Parliament in Canada was looking at passing that we clogged the uh, info lines for uh, the office that was responsible for that bill. Um, and I actually got called up by my, like in Canada, it's a uh, it's a member of parliament. I got a phone call from my member of parliament, which is the equivalent of a congressman, uh, asking me to come to a town hall on the meeting because I generated so much, or about the bill, because I generated so much outrage about it. Uh, so um, you couldn't do that here without money. You'd need, you'd need money to make people actually attend to their political discourse without it being a pass or a fail or a thumbs up, thumbs down on Facebook. Yeah, well, this this happened in the heyday of anonymous on the internet, and I uh, went on to Twitter with my little like angry rant that I'd written, and I tagged them in it, and they amplified it for me far bigger than I thought it was going to be. But the the point of that story is, um, I, I have for a Canadian a deep well of rage that sometimes <laughs> I have pointed at media properties, and sometimes I pointed it at politicians. Um, typically always in writing and this time in the form of, uh, of a nice weekly critical discussion of a show about a character that you and I both love. Yeah, we are we are both proportionally equal in anger because I know we were talking before this thing started about uh, about how people thought that I was so much more angrier than you. But uh, the American can uh, anger and the Canadian anger, when you put them together, your writing and mine are about equal in level of vitriol, but you're just too polite and kind and everyone here is kind of awful. It's true. And actually, so before we started this, because this is our inaugural uh, episode of the podcast, I went and found from 2011 on a, on a forum called K-Site TV, uh, a discussion of a review that I had written for one of the season 10 episodes of uh, Smallville, 
where I was being taken to task for being super harsh. And, and here's a quote that I think will let everybody know kind of who we are relative to one another. Uh, this is from March 2nd, 2011. Uh, a user by the name of Terrific underscore T in response to one of the other commenters says, believe it or not, Neil Bailey, the reviewer that Julian Finn stepped in for last season was probably two or three times as harsh. I can only imagine what he would have said about this episode. LOL. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think uh, people people often mistook what I was trying to do, like with the analysis versus the review thing. Uh, they, they took that it was extra long and that I covered every little bit of an episode as I was trying to find every little detail. And I was actually trying to just talk about every little detail and make sure I was thorough. I would take notes, like copious notes. I, I even with, did that with Superman and Lois. That's why it's a 6,000 word review or a 6,000 word analysis more appropriately. Um, and, and, and just every scene I would be like, is this a good scene for the whole? Is this a bad scene for the whole? And I would note things that were inconsistent. I would do, I, I went after it like I would go after a novel's text. And, um, it's a thing that uh, people really, really get upset about uh, if it's a thing that they like. There's this weird thing that people have where if they like a thing and someone else doesn't like a thing, they can't stand it. They want everybody to have their opinion. They can't simply accept uh, uh, that that some person likes or doesn't like a thing. And I've honestly never cared. And my, my, my take has always been, if you like this thing, good, enjoy it. I am glad you're having fun. But it, it goes both ways, too. There are a lot of people who are like, I don't like this thing, so you can't like it. Like, for example, a good example, I'm not a huge fan of the Snyderverse, which I've made very, very clear. I'm very glad everyone else uh, uh, does like it, but when I make a criticism of it, it's not a personal attack. And that's one of the ethics that this podcast is probably going to have, is like, if I'm saying, for example, I don't like Snooperman snapping necks and cash and checks, that doesn't mean if you do... I hate you and you need to die. That's the internet that's like that. We are human <laughs> people. And 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 Julian, you're too nice to uh to to, to want anyone to uh to <laughs> to believe as you do or else. That's that's kind of the American way. <laughs> no, I just I just want them held down and subjected to mild paper cuts for a long period of time. Yeah. Um so this brings up two questions actually. Just sure. so cuz I mean th this this podcast is kind of the return of you and I to Superman discussion after a hiatus for me mine ended with the end of Smallville yep a decade. um because there, yeah a decade now and there because there hadn't really been anything I wanted to talk about Superman related since then like we got the Snyderverse yeah I did I did was... one thing I wrote a 10,000 word review of Man of Steel that I spiked because I, said I read to myself it. yeah I don't want to I don't want to post that because not because I didn't Think, uh, because I didn't think it was a good piece, but because I didn't want to deal with the the inevitable flood of people who were like, "You're the worst person." Of the the Snyder fandom is violently uh, angry in a lot of ways. Not all of them, but there's there's like a, a, a an org a, 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 a statistically large enough chunk that if you say anything, they will come at you with knives. And it should be noted here. So, like we know that the audience on the Superman homepage at this point in 2021, there's going to be some Snyder fandom people in there. And we love you. We do. We just, our, our version of Superman is less dark than the version of Superman that you've grown up with and glommed onto and super duper love. And that's fine and fair and valid and good. He's just not for us. Yeah. And it's not, um, 
the the thing is i'm i'm gonna be critical of elements of snyder and i'm gonna be critical of elements of smallville because they provide context for superman and lois they provide a a broader like so we were we were discussing before we started about the podcast whether or not superman should kill and whether or not the in the donniverse he had killed and 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 little bits of continuity there but um it's 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 a broader context going back in time, but there's no right or wrong. Your Superman is your Superman. It's like trying to say someone's Jesus is the wrong Jesus. The no true Scotsman fallacy is the worst part of fandom. Fair. No, I can stipulate to that. Although you're objectively wrong about whether or not <laughs> Superman killed anyone in the Donnerverse, ah. he definitely did, and it was way worse than the the Zod killing in Man of Steel. Because here, actually. <laughs> Let's let's bring the audience into this because there's a couple of valid points here. So All right, I, I'm I'm going to ask you some questions and we're going to travel down this logic road and then we're going to talk about the show that everybody just watched. Let's okay. do it. So in Man of Steel, when Superman kills Zod, does Zod have his powers? Uh, I'm going to actually have to stop you there because I object to one of the premises uh, when Superman murders Zod. But carry on. Yeah, Zod does have his powers. Okay, okay, and does Zod pose a clear and present danger to every single living person on planet Earth at that point? Not with Superman present. Not with Superman present, but but he could do some damage, yes? He could do some damage if Superman were to not... Uh, if Superman were to completely avoid the intellectual capacity of a five-year-old and not go to himself, Hey, if I go up, there are no people! Fair, fair, stipulated. Okay, now, but we've established <laughs> Zod's got his powers, Superman's got sure. a difficult choice there. Okay. Right. In Superman 2, Richard Donner slash Richard Lester, right? Yeah. Which is lauded as the template to go to when making a superhero movie even now, today. Correct. When Superman and Lois kick the Kryptonians off the edge of the cliff to their obvious death, do they <laughs> have powers? Well, see, no, they do not, but... And are they a threat to anybody anymore at that point? Yes. Oh, yes. See, I think a depowered Superman is still a a powerful hero and a depowered Zod is not, but I think that's ancillary to the broader point. I think that Zod and Ursa and Non, when kicked into that thing, presumably could have died. It's not in the movie that they don't die. However, (laughs) however, my argument against this, which I know we may disagree on this, is that Donner and Reeve together in that film and the preceding film so effectively crafted a Superman that would do anything to save life, innocent life in particular. And Zod and Ron and Ursa at that point are not innocent, but they are innocent of any future potential wrongdoing because they've been apprehended. Not, not here, bear with me here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has been established as a character that would not do any undue to harm to someone that didn't deserve it. Ergo, Superman knew that they would be fine. And this is borne out with the intentions of the creators in the deleted scene where Zod, Nan, and Ursa are marched fully, fully alive with their hands cuffed behind their back to a police car and driven away. Now that's not in the movie. In in a in a, deli- in a deleted scene that didn't surface until 2005 because it was in a film canister underwater in the basement of a department store in a filing cabinet behind a door that said beware the leopard. And this is why I have 757 sock puppets on Twitter that are all right now advocating for releasing the second Donner cut. The second Donner <laughs> cut or bust. Then we will see the movie that he intended to make where Superman did not kill anyone 
one because he never did, never happened, never would have. Christopher Reeve would never kill another human being. Are you are you ready for me to shred your argument that the movie maintains the character of Superman as being someone who would never hurt someone who is less powerful than him? Are you oh, ready for this? Yeah, yeah. All right, let's hear it. What was the last scene of Superman 2, the theatrical cut? The last scene of Superman 2 was Superman having a measured response to a person who was physically threatening him. Superman, having gotten his powers back, makes a point of stopping off at a cafe where he had been physically humiliated when he had no powers to pummel the dude that had beaten him up earlier. What is the line of physical assault, <laughs> Julian Finn? <laughs> the line of physical okay, so assault is when someone touches you without your permission with the intent to do harm, and he very clearly <laughs> touches Clark Kent, who then takes him, after having worked out, and rolls him down the bar into a, into a, a, a pinball machine where he is clearly fine because, you know... The guy is I'm built just like a- I'm just saying I don't think the movie makes the argument for his character that you think it does. And folks, <laughs> this is what you can expect from this. So it's not always going to be Superman and Lois, though that's going to be our focus. But this is the level of pedantry and nerdistry that you can expect from uh, the two of us talking about anything geek culture related. So uh, yeah, buckle up. And and to clarify, if it's not <laughs> obvious from our tones of voice, which it should be. Our super tongues are in our super cheeks, you know? Yes. Um, unlike other people in this world who are, are, are ready to, to, to go to bat, like literal bats, and hit you with bats and threaten your life if you suggest that Superman didn't kill someone in any particular media. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the the point the point is is we love this stuff. Um, I was gonna ask Neil earlier in the context of that quote about our review styles whether or not uh, you hate Smallville or whether why why you bothered writing the reviews if you hated the show so much. But I think we both love the character. We both love these properties. We want them to be good. We want to enjoy them, and we like talking about them. So that's what people are in for. Yeah. And do I hate Smallville? Uh, I, I have I have answered that question many times, but people never hear it. No, I love Smallville. Um, I uh, My analysis made it look like I saw every little thing, and there were definitely seasons where there were a lot of ones. But the fives, I'd be perfectly willing to watch again, and there were at least 30 or 40, and 30 to 40 good hours of television, uh, especially with one of your favorite characters, if not the favorite character. Yeah. Is, is a worthy endeavor. It's not everything it could be. I lament the potential it it had and then didn't rise to meet. But that's part of why I'm still in on this and part of the reason why I came back for Superman and Lois. I wanted to ignore this show and let it be one more piece of Superman media that went to the side after the Snyderverse. I've been burned, 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 burned personally with that. But I read the script and the script was was utterly CW in a lot of ways. And then I actually saw the show and it was something greater. It, it, yeah, and so on that page uh, came to life. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to start this off by saying something controversial. I, I was a lifetime, lifelong Christopher Reeve, Superman fan. <clears throat> um, my Superman in the comics was John Byrne Superman. Yeah. I'm, I'm 42 years old. That's my era. Um, this version of Superman, at least from the pilot and from what I saw of him in Supergirl and in Crisis, is hands down my favorite screen iteration of this character, 
without question. He is incredibly... He embodies the character really, really well. I, he's not my favorite thus far, but he is growing rapidly closer, especially with this. So I watched all of the... You are, you are the Arrowverse, CWverse genius here. I've only watched a few episodes, but I have watched the Superman ones. And to me, it was very... It wasn't schlocky. That's a bad way to put it. It was very uh, almost almost comic booky, like very I'm Superman and I'm here to save the day. And 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 there's a place for that, and that's perfectly fine. But it is not my favorite iteration after peak TV. However, he looked the part, he carried the part, and I knew that he had the potential to be a great Superman if he were put into something that was completely impossible that you would never see like Superman and Lois. And then they did this, this happened. Right. And so let's, let's kind of start this off because we need to, um, we need to kind of put this show in the context of where it belongs, how it kind of got here. So can we, can we kind of dive into that? a little Absolutely. Bit? We are, we are, we are perfectly introduced at this point. Okay, perfect. And guys, the, the intros will probably not be, uh, it won't be 20 minutes long most of the time. No, just it's a little podcast bit of 101. Entry. Yeah, it's probably going to yeah, be yeah. more villains in Superman and Lois too. It's just this first one. We got to establish that uh, I'm essentially a child and you're the grown up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. basically I, I like that dynamic. But, you know, I'm if you ask any of my exes, I'm definitely not a grown up. Oh, also, um, we, we, should, we, we should give people a reason to stick around too. Uh, why are we called Ampersand and Sons? Right. So our kids, when, when, when Neil and I were reviewing Smallville back in the day, neither of us had children yet. Um, and we thought it would be appropriate for each of these podcasts to spend the last five minutes asking uh, Milo, Nielsen, and Ben mine uh, their take on the show because kids do watch these shows. Um, and the fact that this particular show, Superman Ampersand Lois, uh, is explicitly <laughs> dealing with, you know, these characters through the lens of uh, what it would mean to be a parent in that context and that dynamic. Uh, we thought it was just a nifty play on it to, to reference the ampersandiness of, of, again, another Lois and Clark uh, modeled show, but also the the drafting in, the bringing in of our own kids, our own super sons. Yes, we're going to bring them in for an unvarnished review from a child. It'll be good. There will likely not be any swearing. <laughs> yeah, no, my, my, my boy usually watches his mouth. Not always, but we're going to try and be PG-13. Yeah. So, okay. So Superman and Lois um, is... What are we up to now? So we started with Arrow, then we got The Flash, then we got Legends of Tomorrow... Then we got uh, Supergirl and uh, Black Lightning and Stargirl and Batwoman. Um, so how many was that? So Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, uh, Legends of Tomorrow, Black Lightning, Stargirl. So that's six. Am I missing any there? Uh, that I think was seven. I think 52 total, uh, if I remember correctly. So, so this is the eighth Arrowverse show. Um, and what's... Incredibly interesting is how this universe has involved, evolved over the years. Um, and it ties into your comments about sort of the style of Superman that they went with. So Arrow, when it came out, was almost immediately post-Smallville. And the 
powers that be at the CW were still holding on to this view that people liked superhero characters and they liked genre TV, but they weren't really sold on this whole uh, let's go full comic book on TV thing. They didn't think that audiences would stick around for the actual stories from the actual comic books being writ large <laughs> by characters using their superhero names and wearing their authentic costumes. And so we need a salmon ladder. Yeah, yeah, we need a salmon ladder, and this character is basically going to be Batman. We're going to give him a cave, and we're going to call it the Arrow Cave. Oh, wait a Um, minute, wait a minute. I'm going to pause you right there, because Green Arrow was always just the Batman light. He has always just been the Batman light, but carry on. This is true, but it was made really explicit in the text of the show when, for one whole season, his primary antagonist was Ra's al Ghul. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that kind of that kind of puts the uh, the bat in the in, in the coffin there. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, that was that was rough. Yeah, we, was. Okay, so so full disclosure, we both like dad jokes, folks, because when you become a dad, <laughs> it's an automatic grafting on that happens. Oh, it's happening. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so for the first couple of seasons of Arrow, they were still playing in that sandbox of we don't really want to do comic book stuff that is accurate to the books because there's no audience for that. And then the box office numbers for the MCU movies started climbing. And I'm not saying that that directly impacted the direction that the show took, but it probably didn't hurt to you know, give them a little bit of leeway to make it more comic booky. So we got The Flash as a backdoor pilot in a season two episode of Arrow with Barry Allen's comic accurate origin with lightning hitting a bunch of chemicals in front of him. He gets doused with them and wakes up the next morning with super speed and he wears a bright red, well at that point it was like a muted red brown, uh, costume with a lightning bolt on his chest and goes and runs around stopping bad guys and saying quippy things while he tries to be a CSI. And as those shows have evolved and become more and more and more comic booky, the era of comic books that they seem to be plumbing, the tone that they're plumbing, is very much early 90s, pre-Grimdark, pre-Todd McFarlane's Rise to Ascendance, comic book storytelling yeah, where it's, it's there, there like is the modern Batman, you know, essentially. Yeah. So like the first couple of seasons of arrow, he flat out murdered people with arrows. Oh yes. Right. And by the end of the series, he had his infamous boxing glove arrow and actually used it. Yeah. And, and, and it was playing the transition, even from the outside, you saw it, you, you they were just like, Hey, we're going to do this. And it, and it fell to the Smallville tropes in a lot of ways because of it. But from what I saw from the outside, it was very unabashedly fine with being a comic book show. Every little thing that I saw, you had every, like, I'm like, wait a minute, actually, they're doing Gorilla Grodd? They're doing Gorilla Grodd? And, and, and a part of me wanted to watch it all, but I just, I I have a child now. There is, I, there I is, there is an actual episode, Neil, where Gorilla Grodd and King Shark fight. <laughs> You see, this is well. This is another thing we're planning on doing with the podcast. Is I'm not going to remain ignorant forever. It's not going to be like the dollop where you got one guy who knows everything and one guy who doesn't. In between, when we don't have a Superman and Lois episode to watch, we're probably going to watch some peak TV stuff and describe how it relates. Or I'm going to go back and watch a specific episode that that Julian's going to point out to me, and I'm going to be like, "Yes, I have now seen Gorilla Grodd and a Shark Man fight, and here are my analysis thoughts." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and and it'll be fantastic. 
Um, but yeah, so we've gotten we've gotten all of these years and all of these series exploring how to do comic books on TV and becoming more and more overt and and not embarrassed to be comic book stories. And in Supergirl, um, we were introduced to this particular version of Superman, Tyler Hecklin's version of Superman. Um, and he was always kind of, they, they, they introduced him, I think, originally because you couldn't do a show where Supergirl exists and not reference the fact that he could always fly in and save the day if the struggle was too hard for her because he's a 15 second flight away right yeah, like no, they couldn't they could went back not, to his home planet yeah. yeah they couldn't not bring him in but they did it in a very organic small way they established that Kara per the comics is probably more powerful than him which was great as the father of a of a daughter who didn't get to see a whole lot of that representation growing up um and it was just this very nice sort of organic background character to bring in for big event stuff or stuff that specifically dovetailed into Kryptonian themed storylines. Um, but people loved him and they loved him in crisis. And, uh, and so they decided to green light this series. And what is amazing to me about this show is, okay. So before we get into that, this show takes place after Crisis on Infinite Earths, which was, if if you haven't seen it, this massive multi-night crossover event between all of the Arrowverse series, um, where they literally ended the multiverse and rebuilt it from scratch. Uh, they changed the original comic storyline so that Supergirl didn't die and Flash didn't disappear into the Speed Force. Spoilers for a year old show. Um, they made some changes there, but the end of it was reality was rewritten. And some of these shows that had previously taken place in non-connected universes and alternate realities now find themselves in the same reality. So as of my last viewing of any of this, The Flash and what was Arrow and Supergirl all occupy the same Earth. Well, you They're know not... The thing is, that's all fine, well, and good um, that, that that they've coalesced it for the crisis. But the other thing, too, is that going into this, Superman and Lois doesn't require knowledge of that necessarily. Um, it doesn't, except it does. Okay, because so fill me if in you... here. This is what we should know. Is it spoilery? Or should we? Yeah. So we're we're at thirty we're at thirty minutes. Let's get into spoilers and let's let's jump to the end of the episode first. I guess. Okay. Well, because, here's your spoiler alert. Stay away if you don't want to hear stuff. Yeah. So the the conflict between the character who turns out to be Alexander Luther or Captain Luther, I guess wait, wait, he's called what, in there. What? What? You said Luther. You said Luther. I, Julian Finn. My apologies, Luthor. Luthor, like the god yeah. of thunder. Listen, if none <laughs> of the characters, if none of the actors on a show where they were paid tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars per episode can be bothered to pronounce it correctly, I don't know why I should. Actors? Uh, actors? Do you mean actors, Julian Finn? Yes, yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> I, I, I do mean actors. Yeah, yeah. See? Pedantry. I love it. Yes, um, dad, dad jokes but yeah, that. so the character who turns out to be uh, Captain Luthor... Um, who references during this 
you know, huge fight in the episode between him and Superman where he hands Superman his butt. Um, He references the fact that he also comes from a world that ended um, and that he's the last survivor of his planet. And he was shocked to see that Superman had found this world and was, you know, being who he was in this world. And if you've seen Crisis, the second that speech happens while he's pummeling Superman in orbit, you go, oh, that's Alexander Luthor. Like my 10-year-old son, Ben, who we're going to hear from later, uh, immediately called it. He's like, that's Alexander Luthor. That's that's the good Lex Luthor for, from an alternate Earth where Superman was Ultraman, where he was a villain. That's, that's Ben's theory. Um, and if you haven't seen it, you're like... That doesn't look like Lex Luthor. I didn't, I didn't Luthor buy it at first. Well, that it would be Ale- well, it didn't look like Alexander Luthor because he's you know obviously got the fro. But um, uh, you you pointed out something that makes absolute sense that that you have you have the the crisis and what follows crisis in the comic books is obviously infinite crisis, and that's the thing that that's that's they're clearly setting up. Yeah, yeah, and so my my theory is. Um, that following Crisis on Infinite Earths, the next big crossover event for the CW shows, for the Arrowverse shows, it would make sense for them to do Infinite Crisis, in which case Jordan Kent, who is a bit more um, moody and less happy-go-lucky, could step into that Superboy Prime role uh, as the inciter of all of those events. Um, which I don't want to see happen because I love his character and I think it's a fantastic handling of uh, of mental health conversations and like yeah. I'd, I'd love to see them explore that in a way where he doesn't turn out to be a psychotic mass yeah. murdering villain. <laughs> also, he's far more Clark than he is the proper Superman. I think if I had to put my writer's hat on and if it were me doing it and I knew I had to have a Superboy Prime figure, I would make it Jonathan because Jonathan, as established in this show, is a problem waiting to happen. He is, he which is will, ostensibly. which will, which will kill my son because, yeah. and, and, and he'll talk about this later, but his big criticism was as a fan of the Super Sons comics, he, yeah. he looked at me afterwards and said, they ruined Jonathan Kent. Yeah. And it's a pump fake and it's an artistic pump fake because. You have these two characters, and I wrote about this at length in my review, but you have Jonathan, who is ostensibly the Superman persona. He's confident. He knows the right thing to do, or at least he thinks he knows the right thing to do. He's powerful. He's got, he's got, um, everyone just instinctively gravitates to him and likes him for the most part. And then you have Clark, who is Jordan. He's got yeah. the longer hair, just like he does in the flashback. He's he's socially awkward. He doesn't know how to handle himself, and that's just right there what Clark is all about. It's it, Clark is how Superman handles being extra- incredibly powerful. So of course he gets the powers. So you're gonna have the situation where Jonathan's gonna be like, "This should have been me. This should have been me. The way it's supposed to go. I I look like Superman. I'm Superman. There is a Superboy well- Prime." Here's here's the other reason why I'm thinking he might turn out to be Superboy Prime. They might go that route. Is Jordan Kent in Arrowverse continuity should not exist. And this is the other piece that if you aren't caught up on the Arrowverse coming into this show, you might not know, is right before that big Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover event, 
um, Lois and Clark had a baby. They had Jonathan Kent immediately before. And this takes place not long after those events, not 17 years later, like in the same year chronologically, right? Maybe a year later, but now they have twins and they're 17. Yeah. Boop. They're right? right there. Yeah. I'll explain away. And they haven't really gone into what the crisis has wiped away from Superman of the CW versus past, really. Well, he remembers everything. So yeah. one of one of the conceits of, of how they tied off that story arc was uh, John Jones, Martian Manhunter, um, restored the memories of everyone who had basically fought in the crisis. So they remember their pre-crisis lives. The Paragons, right? The Paragons, yeah. Yeah. Paragons and like one other person, right? Like Lois, right? Yeah. So so that's the context in which this show exists. It's a brand new reality that's been spun out of this five or five or six, four or five night crossover event um, that radically changed the canon that immediately preceded it. Well, what, what? Um, oh, go ahead. Sir, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say... Well, it, it, all of this Arrowverse stuff, you were you were mentioning how it would impact. Uh, there's the crisis. There's the fact that these folks remember. But other than that, I'm not seeing too much here. That it, it seems to me that they're almost kind of discarding the Arrowverse in a lot of ways, which I'm perfectly fine with being as someone who hasn't seen the Arrowverse. But I've seen a lot of people complaining. It's like, why wasn't Kara there? And obviously, you know, Poochie went to his home planet. They, 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 they do that excuse in the hand wave and... And sometimes it makes more sense than others, but you can't obviously have Thor come in, in, into the Ant-Man movie. Right. And that and that brings up something that I found super interesting was um, this show, like going back to that idea of the Arrowverse gradual, gradually becoming more and more comic book-like, this show seems to be embarrassed of its roots. It's oh. shot... It's shot differently than the other shows. It's paced differently than the other shows. The writing, I'm not going to say it's better, but from the pilot, it's qualitatively just radically different. So, this is a pilot that doesn't suffer from pilotitis. I'm, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you for two reasons on two different points. Um, respectfully. Um, the, the first yeah, yeah, of one course, being... Of course. They didn't get the greatest writer in the world because um, <laughs> I looked it up because I was absolutely impressed by this. And the initial script was eh, not so hot, but it was fixed. Like they fixed yeah. a lot of bad things in the script. But it was written by the dude who did the stride gum episode of Smallville. The, ep Holy the cow. infamous episode where Pete Ross comes back to Smallville and chews the stride gum on camera. And he's like holding it up. It's like stride gum and, and, and gets kryptonite infused gum. Like, one of the single dumbest uses of kryptonite in Smallville. This is not... And that could have been, obviously, executive degree. I'm not trying to disparage the writer. I'm just well, yeah. Well, there's that. But here's the other thing. I am a big critic of people being embarrassed of their source material. I think it's the reason the Marvel Universe is succeeding in the Snyderverse, while making money, is not a billion-dollar franchise for every film. It's because I think Snyder and the movies are absolutely embarrassed. I think this is not embarrassed to Superman because every bit of it drips with comic book lore and where it's going to go. I think it might be embarrassed of the CW universe. 
Right, and that's what I'm getting at. It, it loves the character, and it has a reverence for the character that I don't think we've seen. Although, to be fair to Lois and Clark in the time period it came out in, the the writers on that show very clearly loved Superman as a character, even if they didn't have the freedom to make the show as comic booky as one might love. Like, right. Um, I I think you're right. I think they're they're not embarrassed of the source material, except for the source material in this case. The thing that makes this show possible, the reason it even exists, is the Arrowverse. And this show feel, feels like it's embarrassed by its association with the rest of those shows because they've shifted the tone so radically right. that that you... I, I mean, this is Friday Night Lights with Superman. And it's also taking a Marvel a Marvel approach. They base it very thickly in the source material, the, the, the Dan Juergens uh, Superman Lois and Clark series where Superman has the kid and they go back to Smallville for a while. Um, yeah, and it's and it's very grounded in 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 everything comics, and it was you know I, like I put in the review reverent but not fan service, and and the CW is all about fan service in a lot of ways, and and that can totally be your thing. I got no problem with that, um, but it, like things get taken more seriously when you take that more serious approach, and I don't know. See, part of me thinks it's going to dovetail. Part of me thinks that they just made this really really. Um, well put together pilot and they're going to slowly start drifting back towards CW to attract people in like me who have not been wooed by the CW verse but then they're going to start just being like okay here's the wacky wild stuff um, and, and, and slowly bring it into the fold but another part of me is like maybe they're trying to be like what's next after the CW because we've had 52 shows and now we got to put it to bed, so we need the next thing. And Marvel, right? And part of and part of that calculus might be the fact that HBO Max is a thing, and all of the uh, the the DC shows that had previously been earmarked for the DC streaming service are now going to be on HBO Max. So there's more uh, opportunity to treat these characters as if they are on peak TV. Which this feels like, like again, I, I I'm not the per, the first person to say this, but this feels very much like what Friday Night Lights would have felt like if the characters, if if the coach was Superman. Well, it, it's also you know there's another there's a justification for this to a degree because it'd be like if they made a Batman show or if they made a Wonder Woman show. Um, as much as, and this is not to disparage any of the other characters that have shows at all. They are all wonderful, richly historied characters, but they are all at very least B or C characters to the, to the, to the Trinity. Uh, Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman are like Thor, Captain America, and Iron Man. They are, they are the defining characters of their, of their companies. And and to to step into those, you know, uh, they they were very hesitant to do anything to to touch those characters, even in Smallville, to the point of where they waited ten years to put a cape on him because they they're hesitant to take that step. So if they're gonna take that step, I can totally see them being like, we're throwing money and pedigree and that HBO Max feel here if we're yeah. gonna do this because it's it's a duty. I don't know that I actually by my own argument there because of the way that Warner Brothers has kind of treated Superman over the last 10, 15 years as kind of uh, an embarrassing side project for Batman. But 
I think that there are there is an understanding that if you build it, they will come when it comes to like a good, strong Superman show. The problem and, is they and haven't here, figured yeah. out how to do it. And here's the thing: I like I don't get why they couldn't figure out how to do it. I loved Cavill as Superman. Loved I agree. him. I actually he's just agree. written he's just written into terrible Superman stories yes. where they have destroyed the they not even destroyed they've just reworked what makes the character the character so hard that he's unrecognizable. <laughs> but Julian, that but that <laughs> if I wanted to destroy your argument I'd have done it already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Um, I no, but I loved Cavill. Like, I, I mean. I I don't understand how they can have all the ingredients to make fantastic movies about uh, about this character and then not. And we get on the TV end, and this has been my commentary all the way through with the Arrowverse shows, we've gotten now the better part of a decade of these shows that treat these characters with reverence and... Uh, respect and everyone involved clearly likes the source material even if they don't always understand it or aren't you know encyclopedically familiar with all of it um why can't they do that in the movies like where's the disconnect but, I, I think that it's it's embarrassed executives it's they, they're afraid of failure and they don't think they can sell the cool factor on superman they forget that no. that, that the superman the movie the most earnest optimistic movie that, that you could probably remember out of the last 40 or 50 years was was in the height of the 70s where everything was dark and grim. They're like, nobody will buy that now, I'm sure. But they don't realize that they will. They People are desperate for optimism. People want a Star Trek that explores brave new worlds. They want a Superman that is happy and smiling, a, a smiling God that'll help us all re, re, reach our potential, you know? And I mean, like, it also makes sense to a degree that this happened because, and and my apologies to Snyderverse fans out there. I I don't I I don't hate the Snyderverse movies as much as Neil does. Um, there's a few of them that I thoroughly enjoy. Batman v Superman is irredeemable to me, but <laughs> I I kind of dug Justice League for what it was. Man of Steel was two thirds of a good movie. Um, like I I I don't hate them. But they're what happens when you give the guy who really understood and got Watchmen and made a pitch-perfect adaptation of that book, which is rooted in hating superheroes, control of all of your superhero properties. Oh, you know, I gotta disagree with you again. I think Zack Snyder thinks Watchmen is rooted in hatred of superheroes. I think uh, I think the actual Watchmen is a meta-text on fascism. But, but we will talk about Watchmen at length in the future. So I will save we that will. For, an, for, for another, another, uh, <laughs> okay. But, but. So, so let's, let's, let's talk about what we liked and, and, and maybe didn't yes. with this show. Sure, um, what'd you like? So I loved that we got to explore a time period of Superman's life that we have never gotten to encounter before. So. There's always staples. He always works at the Daily Planet. Ma Kent is always alive. Pa Kent is almost always dead. It's He's almost always pre-married to Lois or, or just in the early years of dating Lois. We On screen, we have not gotten to explore middle-aged Superman. And I'm here for it. I dug it. Like, I mean, we've done the spoilers tag, but but 
Ma Kent dies, y'all, and like in the first ten minutes of the episode. <laughs> Yeah, and that was originally handled very badly in the script. Like, Superman flies in, and he's like, it's okay, Mom, you can go. <laughs> like, like it's that right. bad. I, um, so, so, so I appreciate that, and I love that they have, inver- they, they have taken what Smallville did with the relationship between uh, Jonathan Kent and Clark, and Clark Kent is now playing the role that Jonathan Kent had in Smallville. What did you like dislike? this? What did I dislike? I, so again, I, I kind of a little bit disliked the fact that it feels like it's embarrassed to be part of the other CW shows, but it's major cliffhanger cliffhanger ending to the episode relies on this massive event that occurred during those shows like it it hates its own pedigree but needs it to move forward yeah i I wasn't a fan of that um i'm i'm with my son i'm not a fan of and i know i read your review i know what you had and, and and we should probably bring that bring that into this what you had to say about how jonathan is very much the superman character and jordan is very much the clark kent character but the conflict between them feels weird to me because I cannot see those two parents, that married couple, raising kids that are temperamentally that different. See, I, I, I would differ there. I think that I can absolutely see Clark naively believing that, like, like I can see Jonathan being like, hey, Dad, try it out for the football team. Like, in the best, oh, yeah, I'm racing All-American son. Oh, boy, I'm Because he trusts and believes everyone until they prove otherwise. That's Superman's yeah. character. And and he's sitting there, like, when he comes into the room, he's like, oh, Dad, gee, I made the football team. And then Clark's like, oh, you know, and he does the, the, the kind of goofy leave. And then when he's around Jordan, when he's himself, he calls him a freak. He calls him a weirdo. He tries to tell him to, to dress up. He never does that around Lois or Clark. And the minute he does, he only does it once. Like when he's rude to Jordan, Lois is like, you will apologize. Um, and and it's only once in the show. Now, I could be wrong. They could show him, you know, like being a chucklehead right in front of Clark later and have Clark be like, oh, what am I going to do? He's, uh, you know, my son. Then I wouldn't believe that that didn't spring from Superman. But showing like superman is fooled by lex luthor for a reason at first he presents himself as a businessman who has everybody's best interests in mind and until he sabotages the project and superman has to fix it 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 goes south you know yeah no i can agree with that oh that that actually reminded me there is one last thing i didn't like and everything else was gold the reveal where he takes his glasses off for his kids yeah. Was the least believable, I'm Clark Kent, I'm Superman yeah. switcheroo moment I have ever seen depicted. Like, they, there's they no the effort. They didn't prime the pump at all, and I think they were short on time. That is actually the weakest thing. Like, everybody's like, the weakest thing is the router. But, I mean, I can see Superman putting a bunch of pipes on the top of the barn so that Martha wouldn't have to worry about it because that's easy for him. And being like, this yeah. is a great place for a router. All I have to do is, you know, climb up here but um, or fly up here. But, yeah, the whole thing is like, 
I came from planet Krypton, son. I am a man from another planet. Any teenager is going to be like, (laughs) no, seriously, what's this rock? And why does that thing look like a spaceship? I showed, I showed my, uh, my son's best friend the other day. She's never like they're 10. She's never seen the, the seventies and eighties era Superman movies. I showed her the scene in Superman one where Clark is standing in uh, Lois's apartment while she's in the bathroom. Yeah. And he goes, he goes through that like 25 second, uh, like transformation in yeah, body the- language and, and like his, his tone of voice and the depth of his voice and the structure of his face, they all change. Yeah. In that and- brilliantly framed mirror shot where you see two versions of him, like, being two versions of himself exactly and that that moment is this beautiful moment where you go yeah it is believable that an investigative journalist would fall for this the reveal in this episode was the exact opposite of that <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah and and that was the most cw thing i've seen there honestly it was very much like this is acceptable because everyone loves a good superman reveal scene um yeah and yeah and- so yeah, that was that bug that bugged me, but overall, man, I I felt like I was finally watching a Superman TV show where everybody involved including the studio takes the character and the story that they're telling and the craft of everybody involved deadly seriously even if they hired the stride gum dude to write the episode. <laughs> Yeah, he's probably fine. I'm betting that was executive dictation. I'm, uh, you know, like, you will make the stride gum episode, and he probably did the best with what he had. I noticed. Well, a lot now of that you're now you're making scripts. me, yeah. Now you're making me rethink every time I took Genevi- uh, Genevieve Sparling to the mattresses for one of her uh, credited episodes of Smallville, because I kind of feel like maybe that wasn't her fault. <laughs> well, when I reviewed Smallville, I had the scripts at times because of my work on Smallville magazine. But I had no experience watching or paying attention to things that are going on in a writing room. I had not been writing scripts with a professional. I had not seen how you can write a scene that is perfectly passable and has craft. And then someone will come in and be like, I don't like this and this and this and this and this. Change it all. Um, and, and I knew people who had been screenwriters, who had pitched for Green Lantern, who heard things like, yeah, no, I like this whole script. It's great. You're doing a great job with this Hal Jordan guy. But can you do the movie without the ring? Um, and that happens. <laughs> that happens. That's a huge part of it. I think that the, the redeeming quality of this, though, the redeeming quality of this particular show is that it takes that, that impulse, that, that, uh, that, that, that hammy thing, um, and, and it makes it something greater. And that is not necessarily just the writer's doing. That is also the doing of the, the cast and the, 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 the way that shots are framed. Like after that thing that we both uh, very much criticized, the, the, the reveal, the bad reveal, they kind of salvage it by having him pick up the truck and it's this beautiful visual moment. So even if you're groaning and going, oh, that was terrible, then they have this, this moment where it's just this beautiful, subtle Superman moment. He doesn't throw the truck to the moon. He's got it there, and he's like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of afraid to show you what I am, but here is what I am. So, it, to me, even the bad stuff. like Which, and again, by... that was a nod to Superman the movie, right? Yeah, that's, of course it was. That's yeah. him as a grown-up lifting the same truck he lifts as a baby. Yeah, to, to, uh, to save his family. Yeah, um, and and it's it's so there, it's suffused with symbolism, like the bit where they put the cape on Jordan after the fire. 
Um, the go and change who you are entirely so that you can make this girl happy. You know, like those little throwaway lines that you wouldn't see because they don't hammer the nail are there and make it a Superman show. But I think I think our opinions aren't necessarily the most important. I think we need to get some kids in on this action because they're smarter than either of us combined. What do you think of that? I agree. I, right. I agree. My, my son just came storming in. He's been hovering around the peripheral. Uh, so shall we start then- with Ben? Let, let's start with Ben. And so what I think we should do is I'm going to hand Ben my uh, earpiece so he can hear you. All right. Sounds um, good. And you can ask him what he thinks. And then I when will you grill guys are him. Done, yeah. And when you guys are done, I'm going to get him to give me back the earpiece and I'll grill Milo. Sounds good. All right. All right. Just put that in your right ear. Hello, Ben. Hold my phone. Say hi. Can you hear me okay? Hi. Yeah. Hi. All right. So first question and most important question in the world. Are you named after Ben Kenobi? Yes. Yeah. Woo. All right. It was such a cool answer. You dropped your your, your piss. All right. So so give me the skinny. What did you think about this show? Did you like it or did you hate it? I liked it. I had one problem with it. Okay. Let's hear it. How they treated John Kent like he was a jerk. Oh yeah, they kind of they kind of made him out to be a little bit uh, rough around the edges, huh? Yeah. You think John should be the hero? Yeah. Yeah, they kind of did that in the comics, didn't they? Y- yeah. So, ha- have you read the comics? Did you read a lot of them? Yes. W- what's your favorite? Uh, the Super Sons comics. Just... Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I've I've heard lots of good things. I haven't read too much of it myself, just a few of them. But what's your favorite thing about the comic? Um, how Robin and Superboy make a great team. Oh, you think you think they'll do something like that in the show? Like, maybe not Robin, because they don't have a Batman show, but do you think that they might do that, like, the, the two super sons are Jonathan and Jordan? Yeah. Yeah? That would be pretty cool, huh? I don't know. It's it's yeah. still so wide open. What what did you think about the, uh, the villain? Uh, I think it was a huge reveal at the end there. Yeah, did you? Well, Bison almost dropped his. He, he was he was watching and his and his mouth almost hit the floor. I don't know about you. I he was super. He's like Luthor. It was crazy. I I kind of found out about it that it was gonna be a Luthor because of some YouTubers and stuff. Oh, spoilers! Ah, well that, that happens. Yeah. Did you like being spoiled, or did you want it to be a surprise? Most of the episode was a surprise. That was the only part that was spoiled. Ah, okay. So what did you think, like, when you were watching the first half? Did you think that Jordan would be the one with powers? No, I really thought Jonathan would be the one with powers. Yeah, they kind of set that up pretty well, don't they? You're thinking, oh, it has to be him because, you know, he's the one that can throw the football and break the rope and stuff, right? Yeah. How about, how about uh, did it ever get boring for you? No, not really. Ah, yeah. The the whole Lois and Clark talking thing, they did that a lot. They talked like, 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 you know grown married adults and i thought that that might be boring for a kid but uh, i'm surprised it wasn't but then again you probably pay good attention huh yeah now it's those canadian schools i'll bet you're a reader too huh yep well i have decided officially that i like you ben welcome to the show <laughs> do you have anything else you want to say about the show i have one theory all right let's hear it so i noticed the entire episode jonathan was wearing that necklace like Oh, yeah. And Jordan wasn't wearing one. I think that there's kryptonite in the necklace. 
blocking oh, his powers. Blocking his powers? That would be interesting. Yeah, yeah just kind of like Alana's necklace from Smallville kind of thing, huh? Yeah. Well, either way, are you going to keep watching? Yes. Okay, you willing to come back here next week and give your thoughts again? Yes. All right, cool. I look forward to it. That's awesome. It's good to meet you, Ben. We should we should probably hand you back to your dad, and then I'm gonna let him get after my son. Who? Well, actually, you you want to you want to meet my son first, and then you can hand yeah. and then we can hand it to you. Okay, here, let's do that. Hey, Milo, get over here. All right. So, Milo. Yeah. This is Ben. I'm gonna I'm gonna take this, and I'm going to hand him the headphones. Come here, sit down. Okay. All right, you gotta say hi to Ben and talk a little bit about the Superman and Lois show. Okay, here goes. Okay. Superman and Lo- Hi. Oh, you say hi. Yeah, meet hi, him. Hi, my name's Milo. I'm Ben. Hi, Ben. How old are you two guys? I'm seven. I'm ten. So you two are pretty close, huh? Yeah. A little, a couple of years, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure that uh, Ben's probably a little bit further in reading and watching stuff, and maybe a little bit more advanced. And you're more, you're more, uh, you you know how to read really well. And you watch some shows, but you get a little bored sometimes, right? Yep. Okay, well, what, what do you say, Ben? Do you want to hand it back to your dad, and then maybe your dad can, can, can interview Milo a little bit? Yeah. Right, say bye, Milo. Bye. Say bye to Neil. Oh, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> that was fun. Hello. Hello. Oh, that's Milo. <clears throat> So Ben told me his theory about the kryptonite necklace last night, and my response to him was that might be why Jonathan is such a jerk, because it would mean that every time Clark hugged him his entire life, he would have gotten sick and died, so he got no love and affection. Yeah. So, Milo, you just finished watching the show today, I understand. Yep. Yeah? What'd you think? Oh, when when uh, when he was going up to look at the router and he fell down in the barn and the brothers fell on top of each other. Yeah. Who did you think was going to wind up being the one with powers? I thought it was going to be the kid with the white shirt, but it was the kid with the black shirt. <laughs> yeah, that that was the big fake out. That uh, that Ben was kind of upset about, like he was he was fully expecting Jonathan to be the powered one. Yeah. <laughs> did you like the uh, Did you like the fight scene between Clark and and who turned out to be Captain Luthor? Yeah. Yeah. I was a little worried for uh, for Superman's health when he was plunging towards the Earth with a shard of kryptonite in his chest. Were you worried about him? <laughs> yeah, generally not good behavior. You don't probably want to try that at home. Um, was there anything you didn't like about the episode? Nope, I liked it. You liked the whole thing? Yep. What do you think is going to happen next with Captain Luthor? You got any theories? I got a theory. I think that he's going to have stronger armor this time. 
and it'd be even tougher. So I have a theory. You know the the robot voice that he was talking to. Has your dad ever uh, exposed you to any Booster Gold comics? No. Okay, ask him about Booster Gold later and ask him specifically about Skeets. Okay. Because I think that robot is a robot called Skeets and I think it's going to be used as an introduction to, to bring in a character called Booster Gold later on. Skeets, Skeets is a is a weird character, but it would make sense for what I think is coming next. So, do you think the show is going to be more about the boys or more about Superman? Who do you think the main characters are? I think the boys are because they had cool stuff happen. And That's fair. They, like what? What what was the coolest stuff? I like the part where he actually. He got laser eyes and actually shot lasers out of his eyes. That's a pretty cool part. The heat vision was very, very cool. I think if Ben did that, I would have to ground him, but I'd still kind of think it was cool at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So you, are you going to watch this with us every week? Let us know what you think. Yep. That's fantastic, because these shows aren't just for grown-ups, just like comic books aren't just for grown-ups. They're also for kids. Yep. So we need to know what you think, whether they're losing you as, their, as their, a part of their core audience or not. Okay. Okay? Okay. Thanks so much, Milo. You're can I, can I Can I talk to your dad, and we'll see you next week? All Thanks, right. buddy. Here nice meeting you. He's a man of few words, unlike his father. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think both. Oh, good. I think both the kids will get over the uh, the shy thing after a couple of episodes. Although I'm I'm a bit concerned. I have a major concern. I got to tell you, Julian. I'm a little bit worried because the boy just said he had no major problems with the episode, and he's my son. So I think I got to start looking at the mailman. You should be a little worried there. Yeah, I, I mean, Ben and I, after the episode was done, we spent an hour going through, like, the issues that he had with the depiction of Jonathan Kent. Like, he was he was torn up by that. Yeah, no, I and that's, that's probably the difference between the 7-year-old view and the 10-year-old view, and that's why it's good that we got a little bit of a spread there, because Milo Milo's got no, no continuity, really. Like, he wouldn't know Booster Gold from a hole in the ground. Um, but he, you know, like he understands Superman's a good guy and that you'd be nice, you know, and, and that kind of thing. And he's, he's dovetailing into more of those things. He's getting more advanced content concepts. We've been watching things like adventure time and he's been, he's starting to get continuity, but he's very, right very innocent in the, in the look of that kind of thing. And I think it's going to give us a good per, per perspective. I think it'll be like adventure time. Whereas this show goes on, both of the boys will start aging up a little bit and, uh, we might see their perspective change. It's kind of cool. It's true. Um, on that note of, of change and evolution, I my my one hope for this series, my biggest hope for this series, is that at some point his super suit gets destroyed and we get five or six see, or episodes of him wandering around in that Flesher costume from yeah. the uh, opening five minutes of the episode. Oh that was something God. I did not know I needed in life, but that was amazing. And it wasn't in the script. It was the best surprise. It was this thing there. I was like, oh, yeah, that's 
and it's and that's the it could have been fan service very easily that moment but instead the focus of the entire scene was not even that suit although that was a cool moment it was the my mom made it you know it yeah was the it was the look at the look in this boy's eyes this is a person to look up to and that's the way you want to go with the superman story so no agree that there you go yeah, well, I was going to say, what I was going to say was I agree. And I think that moment was what cemented this. Like, I liked him as Superman in the Supergirl episodes and in the Crisis episodes. But that moment was what cemented him as my favorite on-screen iteration of the character. Because he managed to capture that, like, goofy, aw shucks optimism that we haven't really... Even in Brandon Routh's portrayal in Superman Returns... It wasn't really there. It was already veering into a more grim interpretation of the character. And I've been missing that. That whole opening, the the the, the exposition that could be as clunky as clunky gets, that made me groan reading the script, was so beautifully executed it sold the entire show. It could have been the opening credits. <laughs> Well, that's that's because you were expecting it to be like the old Chloe bits of exposition on Smallville, where she'd come in in the first five minutes of each episode would be like, hey, Clark, remember how my arm was broken last week when we foiled the bank robbery? Well, yeah, or it could also have been it also could have been very, very like, and here's where I was born in Smallville, <laughs> you know, not that exaggerated, <laughs> but that's often how you they do it. That's often how you see it. It's like like uh, the the comparison I made in the review to Rogue One. It's like it, it, that shot in Rogue One was centered on the blue milk. Blue milk wasn't in the scene. Ponda Baba and 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 Doctor Estevan they walk by and it goes, "You should watch yourself." Not something else. It's not that they're present. It's that it's like, look, we're doing this thing that you know. And, and yeah. granted, most of the things in the Superman show are things that a longtime fan would know, but none of it, absolutely none of it, is requisite to the emotional heart of the story. Agreed. And and that's a sign that Superman on TV has actually grown into peak TV, is that we're getting the same treatment here that Watchmen got with their HBO mini, and that... Uh, you know, the first four seasons of Game of Thrones gave A Song of Ice and Fire. We're getting that, like, the source material matters to people, so we're going to make this a show that matters. I have a whole commentary that I've discussed with a friend when we when we do our Watchmen episode about how, how the Watchmen show... Originally, I was like, yes, this is a faithful adaption, and then I realized it's not so much, but that's a, that's a thing for that episode, I think. Um, but I, I agree with the sentiment that you're expressing that, that it is that it is very much uh, sticking to the core character of the thing. It's driven by the characters, not the plot, not what's happening necessarily outside of maybe Smallville's corporate uh, issue. But that we'll see if they stick with it if it becomes a major thread. Like oh no, but, but I would watch ten hours of. Clark Kent and Lois Lane educating people on financial instruments. Like, <laughs> well, I think I would too, but uh, but I think uh, I, I I don't know. We'll see where it goes. Um, that is the one question that I had for you for the as as the Arrowverse expert before before we uh, put a put a pin in this thing. Uh, Morgan Edge has he been mentioned or appeared in in, in any other CW? Uh, 
I can't remember. I vaguely remember a mention or two of him on Supergirl. Yes, but I re- not... actually, I remember that now. Like, he wasn't he one of the investors in Catco or in the Daily Planet? Yeah, I think so. I, I'm going to have to go back and rewatch those. Um, I It's interesting that they're jumping out of the gate with that because out of all of the media... My more my my Morgan Edge memory was it Rutger Hauer that played him on yes. Smallville? <laughs> yeah, see, the one where they put Clark in a van for thirty minutes with kryptonite on his chest, and then he just pops out like I'm ready to go. It's not poison. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What I what I also love, and and I kind of want to end it on this note because in a lot of ways this show, and and I I loved Smallville. I think a bit more than you loved Smallville, even when it was bad. I was always happy that I was watching it, that it was a it's, thing that existed. It's because you're nice, um, Julian. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And also because, like, I, you know, there hasn't been a lot of genre TV to glom onto in my life before the last, like, decade or so, right? Like, you you watched what you got because you didn't know if there was going to be anything else coming your way. Right. So you, yeah. you suffered through stuff that was not amazing. Um, I watched all of the 4400. <laughs> I don't know if you remember. Right. I, yeah. I've heard. So, I haven't watched it, but I've heard. I watched all of Kyle XY. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know right? what that means. That just sounds like that sounds like uh, uh, Kyle is a man. Is it a show about Kyle? Is a go, man? go it. Go and watch. Uh, go onto YouTube and go and find some trailers for Kyle XY, and then <laughs> and then be glad that that never landed on your radar. Um, so yeah, my appreciation for it was holy crap! This is genre TV, and it's about my favorite character, kinda. Um, and I'm going to just kind of endure the stuff I don't like to get to the fan servicey bits that I do like. Um, but this show existing as it does as part of the Arrowverse is kind of a repudiation of Smallville. Um, it should be noted that Smallville is now canonically part of the Arrowverse, thanks to <laughs> Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yes. And the moment that we got of Tom Welling in that was of a Superman who elected to give up his powers to be a family man, which <laughs> A says everything you need to know... <laughs> Yeah, he's like, I've waited 11 years to do this. Three years in, oh no, this is too tough, I quit. (laughs) Exactly. And so now that that is part of this same show's DNA and and canon, to have an entire show spun out of a Superman that did not quit to be a family man is (laughs) is kind of a compelling repudiation. Yeah. No, it's 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 gonna be great. I mean, I I hope. I don't. We we should. The next few weeks will be very telling. We'll see. Yeah. Well, All right. Well, note. I I watched the uh, the trailer for the coming up on on uh, Superman oh, and Lois. I have not. And What's happening? What's going on? Give me give me the give me the dime. I'm not going to share it with you because they did they did like uh, one of the season long views rather than here's what's coming oh. up in the next episode. Um, and I am optimistic because they did not elect to go all flash bang. Like it looks like they are going to keep it rooted in this. Uh, the focus is really how does Clark interact with his kids? How does he manage his family with the Superman stuff being background? And again, for middle-aged Superman, for never having gotten to explore these things, I'm I'm on the ride for that. I'm 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 totally fine with that. 
Me too, but uh, you're quite optimistic. Like you're saying that I'm middle aged and you're middle aged. I'm in I'm in my late elderly years. You know, I'm 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 past my expiration date. I think I got maybe a year and a half before I just do the Superman thing from Smallville. I'm like, I'm done, I'm done, and then you'll hear me go Hurk! on the podcast, and then they'll uh, they'll be like, oh yeah, he wrote a thousand thousand uh, word review about what death is like. He's like, it's not for me. It's not the best thing, but. You know, <laughs> and then and then and then we'll bring Doug Trumbull in, and he and I can yell at each other for an yeah. hour. <laughs> if he didn't, if he didn't <laughs> exactly, yeah. If he didn't like dying, why'd he do it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, on that note, all uh, right. Next week, I will uh, I will catch you again. This has been an episode with Neil Bailey and Julian Finn of Ampersand and Sons. Anything? Any last words? No, man. We will. We will see you. We will hopefully see the audience next week for for more of our uh, meandering, scattered nerd culture thoughts. Um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm excited to see where this goes. Me too. All right, I'll catch you next week. Fantastic. Thanks, Neil. Well, hey there, all you super cat coes and kittens. I'm not going to ask you to like or subscribe or add us on Facebook or Twitter because, frankly, I just don't care. Julian might, but you'd have to ask him. I am, however, an independent writer of novels, comics, and reviews. I don't get paid for that, and I've been doing it steadily for 21 years. If you like what I do, and if you can, your support would mean a world of difference in my life. I have a website where you can find my books, neilbailey.com with an A in the Neil, N-E-A-L, not an I, and I have a Patreon where you can get exclusive early access to everything I do along with free copies of all my books and comics along with every new book and comic I make as they come out for the price of a coffee. Get yourself on over to www.patreon.com slash neilbailey and tell them Neil sent you. Thanks for listening.